Hello and welcome to 120 Outdoors, where the conservation-minded outdoors men and women explore all things hunting and fishing in the lands and waters that make it all happen. Join Chris DePaula and me, Don Klaus, as we discuss the outdoor world in our 120. But wherever you are, we think you just may find this fits your 120 too. Hey folks, welcome to 120 Outdoors Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris DePaula and I'm here with my co-host Don Klaus and uh, it's the week after Christmas. So we hope uh, you and your families had a great holiday season. I know we did. We so, certainly did. Yeah, and my fellow relatives didn't drink all my good booze. So <laughs> I, I hit a lot of my booze so I couldn't get to the good stuff. So I'm learning after all these years, you know. Yeah, you're smartening up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I know we've been talking... Uh, deer and steelhead and today we have a great show lined up uh, we're going to be talking more steelhead today um, with uh, with our guest john Breedlove, and i'll introduce john here in a second yeah for starters though we have to to thank all who listened to us in 2023 we're ready to charge into 2024 and uh for those of the who are new listeners to us we have to say you can can now find us on instagram and uh on X. X. And for those of you who still call it Twitter on... Like I do. On Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, by all means, thanks for thanks for tuning in. And, yeah. Uh, we're trying, uh, as Chris mentioned, we're trying to bridge the gap here between uh, what was hunting and what was 2023 and, and uh, what's to come. Yeah. And it's it's been a weird fall. Um, and as I mentioned, we'll, we'll get in there talking, uh, to talking to John here in a second. But we have had um, some winter weather, but not to the point where anything's icing up yet. And we're talking, we live in northeastern Ohio. Uh, normally we have snow on the ground now, or we've had several inches of snow. We haven't had it yet this year. And things are starting to ice up normally. They're not this year. So um, I know uh, guys are out fishing. I know guys have been fishing local reservoirs around us and the Ohio River and Lake Erie in the tributaries. It's shocking the difference between last year and this year. I remember last year we had wicked, bitter cold, and and uh, I was out walking with the sweatshirt on the other yeah. day. Yeah, so, I do remember last year that on Christmas Eve my pipes froze. I think I remember you telling I telling you the story. You, you did, yes. And we, of course we had a house full of people, <laughs> and the pipes were frozen. So it was uh, that was very nerve wracking. You can't uh, have that with a house full of people. No, it was not a good thing. I won't get into the whole, but it was a bad, bad situation. This year, nothing like that. So, but anyway, we hope you folks have had a great holiday season, and uh, we'll get to the show now. So, and we will see. What, yeah, what the weather brings us. But for now, Lord knows, it's pretty tame. Yeah, it is. So as I mentioned earlier, our, our special guest tonight is John Breedlove. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. Hello, John. Hello, how are we doing? Everybody's doing good, right? Yeah, we're great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're uh, still good. Uh, John, if you haven't, uh, don't know John. He's a, uh, I consider him a steelhead expert. A lot of guys do too. He has a very unique technique um, where he does a lot of open water trolling in, in the harbors of Lake Erie, for, if not for walleye, but for steelhead. Um, we had John on earlier on episode number nine. So if you want to log back in and look at some of our episodes, he's on episode number nine. He talks in depth about his technique. Uh, but today we're going to talk to John about um, 
the technique that he's using to fish for winter steelhead out on the lake. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting, especially since we don't have any hard water, um, this might be a possible alternative for folks who want to try something different. Yeah, for, for many of our listeners, the, the fishing season has, for all intents and purposes, ended. But John is a different animal. His doesn't really end, and he's going to elaborate on That's this right. for us. So anyway, John, let's get in. The first question here is, um, first of all, how are you doing, by the way? Do you have a great holiday? Yes, uh, holiday is doing great. Uh, the only drawback was my uh, oldest son, his family, they were all sick. So I just basically went over and dropped off present and left. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, they they had the flu. Oh, and then boy. my youngest, my grandson had the RSV. Oh, geez. So, um, you know, and then my uh, daughter-in-law is expecting in March. So they were all miserable. So I just dropped off the gifts and I said, you know, Call me later when you open them, and we'll talk, and you can take pictures, yeah. and that'll work. But I didn't need to get sick, and I'm sure no. they were miserable and didn't want, you know, so. No. Nobody needs yeah, that. Yeah, we'll hope they're feeling better. Yeah, nobody wants yes. to hear that, especially around the holidays. Nobody needs that. So Exactly. So anyway, John, how has the fishing been? I know you've been out, because uh, you and I stay in uh, contact quite a bit. I know you've been out fooling around. What's what's going on out there? Uh, this year, as far as steelhead fishing going, it's been phenomenal. Um, the only, only in recent week or so has, uh, as far as trolling, it kind of was down a little bit. Um, when we had the, you know, we didn't get any snow, but along Ashtabula and Conneaut, they got a lot of snow up there. And when that snow started melting, it dropped the river temperature very quickly. And it kind of, for maybe two, three days, it kind of, you know, it kind of stunned them a little bit. They kind of, I, you know, when, the one day I went up, I didn't do very good. But you could see everywhere I looked on the depth finder, not, everything was like down the bottom or 10 feet or below when I got in the deeper water. Hmm. You know, so it, it kind of, you know, that, that quick drop in the temperature from the snow melt kind of, you know. But, you know, after we got past it a couple of days, I see things are really picking back up. I just, I haven't been able to go up. Um, I'm out of vacation, so I'm now I'm a weekend warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. But that's a great point, John, because I've noticed that over the years, too, when I would, would do a lot of waiting for them in the streams, when the snow melt, um, which is good, it gets the flow, the flow of the river up, the flow rate, but it also drops the water temperature. And, and I would always like to fish later in the afternoon when that water was at its warmest. Um, and I could see that happening in the harbor, especially uh, with all the snow melt they had up there. And by the way, they did, John, you're right, they did have a lot of snow north of us along the lake. Um, yes. Moat, they have had quite a bit of snow this winter there. Uh, but that's a great point. I never really thought about that. The flowing out into the harbor hub would shut the fish off. Yeah, that's so, throwing a big ice cube it, into it the would. mix. So. It would. Yeah, and then, like I said, uh, you know, normally if you get you get that, it kind of maybe for a day or two or whatever, but you get a couple sunny days, and as the day goes on, like you said, in the afternoon they start biting. Uh, you know, so it will pick back up, but there for a couple of days, they were, they were kind of in a kind of funk. They didn't want to be bothered. You know, guys I know upstream were doing good, you know, catching them in the deeper holes, but you know, the lower section, it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of shut them up, shut them down for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, now getting back to, um, how, what, how are you choosing where to fish, John? So let's say you and I were going fishing tomorrow. Okay, and this is the week between Christmas and New Year's, just for our listeners, so they can kind of follow along. So, um, wh- where would we be going? What would you be looking at? Would you be looking at flow rates from the rivers? 
Um, what what is some what are some of your tips if you don't mind telling? You don't have to be specific about what river or harbor uh, you'd be fishing, but what are you looking for? You know, I am looking at the at the the river flows. I'm looking to see you know um, how muddy it was, and then I kind of take in a factor if I'm going to do the harbor or the break walls. You know which way the wind's blowing. Um, so we'll just we'll take Ashtabula. So say that right now there's a lot of you know muddy water flowing out. And say I wanted to fish it, but they're getting west winds. Well, that water is going to go out through the harbor, and then the west winds are going to push it right down the east wall. So that's going to shut down the east wall on me. You know, it's okay. going to make it too muddy, and they're not going to see it. So um, as far as, like, going tomorrow or the next day, I don't really have very many – I don't see any options. Uh, you know, like I said, if, even if the river was blown out, but if the wind was working with me, then maybe I could go, you know, if it was maybe – I could fish the west wall or if the wind was kind of blowing out of the north or something or, or wasn't blowing at all out of the south, it would take that muddy water and go straight out the lake. I would at least get to do the east, you know, the outside yeah. of the east wall. Yeah. Or, you know, in, in the same over at Conneaut, you know, depending on which, how much flow we're getting out and in which way the wind's blowing, which will allow me to, you know, fish, you know, which break wall or whatever. But like I said, I looked at it for like tomorrow or whatever and, we're supposed to get west winds, so I know that water's going to come out of the harbor, and that west wind's just going to push it down the east wall. Yeah, that's, see, that's a great point. I see when I'm in the uh, river waiting, I'm not really looking. Of course, I'm not looking at the weather or the wind. I'm just looking at the flow rate um, and where we're at. But that's a great tip there. Um, you have to know the wind direction, too, because that'll shut off half that harbor um, or the, the best area in the harbors. Um, yeah, Simply the west wind. So that's a great point. You know, if, if, you know, we get, you know, the river clears up and it comes down or whatever. And a lot of times if you're getting, you know, maybe getting Southwest winds or whatever, you know, you go to uh, Conneaut and fish the outside of the East wall or, or Astubula and fish the, you know, the outside of the East wall there. And then you're kind of protected. And if you stay tight to it, you can stay out of the wind, you know, which I've done many a times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you got to take in, consideration of the flow and then which way the wind's blowing, which is, you know, if it's going to help me or hurt me. Now, John, we know that you fish deep into the winter, all winter, if, if the, the weather lets you. What uh, yes. what are the conditions that shut you down? What uh, What's going to kick you off the water? Well, uh, you know, this time of year you can get some gale force winds and then uh, usually at Conneaut or whatever, if you get some big winds out of the north northwest that kind of muddies muddies it up pretty bad uh and that will kind of shut the harbor off for a couple of days until some you know clear water comes in or it settles uh you know then then you're looking at the flow of the river and, and looking to see what it is and if it's nice then i can go fish the river you know yeah uh that's the nice thing you, with the boat and the, you have options but sometimes you don't have any options because it, you know the river's high it's muddy the wind's blowing the wrong way you know, or blowing too hard. Now, what what about ice? I know last winter was was pretty tame after things cleared up, and and we we don't have anything going on just yet. What what uh, ice conditions are going to mess you up bad? Uh, well, sometimes not being able to get the boat in the water at all. I mean, I know last year uh, I kind of went to Conneaut, and the one ramp was, you know, they were both froze, but the one I kind of backed the trailer up over it. It broke. I pulled forward. I tilted the motor up, and then I used the back of the boat, and I pushed it out of the thing, and I was able to launch. But 
that, that's a go-getter yeah, for you yeah. there. You're an animal, John. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have a friend. His name's Kurt Bitterkofer. He's a, a guide up there. And one time, him and his buddy, they actually broke the ice, and they called me and said, hey, John, we broke the ice. You can come up, you know. <laughs> but uh, a lot of times, the ramps are where the calmest water is, and they will freeze them freeze the fastest uh, you know okay. that makes sense yeah i could see that yeah you want the ramp to be a calm yeah. area so yeah. yeah i get it you know sometimes you can get away with it at conneaut because you're right there on the river uh but like at uh Ashtubula, you know lakeshore this time of year it's kind of pretty silted in they pulled the ramps so i've been using kisters but kisters you know calm in there and if you get some cold weather it can freeze up and i won't be able to get the boat in okay um you know, there are some different, you know, then you do have um, the Grand River Landing, you know. Yep. Uh, that's another option. I can go over there. My friend lives, my friend John Lakava, a good friend of mine, we fish together all the time. Uh, he lives no more than a mile from the ramp, so he can always go by and check on it. You know, he'll kind of send me pictures and say, hey, you know, he goes, I think we can get out tomorrow. So then I'll go over, you know, over there and stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as um, I could see, this is a pretty complicated. Uh, it's not as is. I shouldn't say it's um, fishing in a lake is simple because it's not. But this is even more complicated because you have the river flow to worry about and the river conditions and everything else. But if you noticed over the years, especially during the winter when there's approaching front or after a front, um, is the fishing better? And what I mean by that is, does that trigger uh, the fish a fresh run of fish? Have you noticed that, or do you get uh, dropbacks coming out of the river, like if Conneaut or or Conneaut, or Conneaut Grand River overflows or blows out? Does that blow the fish back out into the harbor, um, and those dropbacks are more plentiful? Um, and are you getting fresh fish in? Have you ever noticed that, John? Do, do, you, do you see that through the winter? Um, yeah, you can still go out. I can still go out on the, on the lake in, in January and catch a silver fish. Okay. There's fish that don't come in. They're not coming in, you know, into the river until you get into February and March. You know, there's some that stay out there. Right. You know, they don't, if the food is out there, they'll stay out there, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but, you know, you do get the dropbacks. The The thing is, and what's funny, though, is I've gone fishing on days where it has snowed. Uh, and not, I'm not talking like a blustery, whatever, but like a, maybe like a wet snow or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we, and we've done fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, our good friend, Dan Armitage actually used a picture in one of my thing about people, you know, diehards. And he used one where I had three inches of snow in the boat, <laughs> but we were, we were catching tons, uh, tons of fish. I mean, every yeah. time it's snowed when I'm there and it's kind of like a wet snow, not a really a whatever cold, cold day, but you know, just a whatever uh i've done great i took tom bishop up uh you know the only thing we worried about was the the, the ramp at kisters maybe that snow would build up and right. you know, getting back out right was the only reason like tom goes well maybe we should leave but we were catching big fish we were catching a lot of fish yeah and it was snowing yeah you yeah. know you want to so, have a shovel uh, for those days yeah well seriously. i do i do bring a uh, like a big coffee can full of salt it's always in the back of the truck you never know so yeah i always have that with me just in case yeah, yeah. smart um back to that one of the question i asked you about the drop backs and fresh fish have you noticed because uh, as you know ohio's not stocking the manis d strain anymore they're stocking that gatorosic strain and then also the chambers creek strain in ohio have you noticed uh, those fish um do, are they do they how do i want to say this are they more susceptible to running in the winter 
Um, or, in other words, they run more in the winter than they do in the spring. Like that manistee was a spring-run fish, and they would hold out in the harbors for a great length of time. And then sometime in April, you'd get a nice flow, and all of a sudden, as you know, those manistees would be running up the rivers. But because well, of the change, like, have you noticed that change? Seems like last year and the year before that not a lot of them were coming in till late, late, late. And it seemed like this year a lot more came in early. I don't want to say early, but um, you know they were there by the end of October, and, and in November they were just everywhere. Hmm. I mean, some of the rivers were just packed solid with them. And I think a lot of it had to do with the emerald shiners. Some of the rivers... I mean, Conneaut had a good plenty of emerald shiners, but, you know, it, it's it's late in the year, I could tell you now. Astubula, there was just millions of them. Huh. And they were, there was tons of them in the river. There's tons of them along the break wall. Uh, and the fish were just stacked up, and they were just gorging themselves. I mean, they look like, you know, I, I know that the that Shasta strain from the years of COVID was at 20 and 21. They right, were right. Uh, pretty dog. But man alive, they look like footballs. I mean, they were just gorging themselves. That, that, Their bellies were full. Yeah, that was my next question: was that that Shasta strain that they'd stocked during the COVID years? Um, you are, so you are seeing those. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Those, they seem to be a little shorter, but they seem like footballs. footballs. I mean, they're, yeah. Yes, they look like footballs, and I tell you what, with them wide, you know, wide body, uh, they can fight pretty good. But, I mean, them fish were just out there gorging themselves. And it was funny how the seagulls would even, uh, if you would bring in a fish and it would spit up some emerald shiners, how the seagulls would even dive and start eating them. It was like, okay, they even figured out, okay, when the steelhead, you know, get caught, he's spitting up fish. But, um, I mean, I've seen some strange, some things I've seen before that I've never seen before. Like one time I, I had a steelhead on and he had a buddy. And the buddy was like six inches from the side of him and stayed with him almost all the way till he got to the boat. Now, I couldn't figure out. he was, I almost was going to grab another rod and cast it out to see what was going to happen. I didn't know if maybe <laughs> the buddy was trying to see if maybe the, whatever he had in his mouth got loose and he was going to eat it huh. or what he was doing. I, I, They're almost I've never seen it. acting like you know. smallmouth. Yes. You know, yeah. you know smallmouth. Yeah. Do that, but yeah. I've never seen a steelhead do that. Never, no. ever. No, I've never heard of that. That's crazy. And he... He was following him. He stayed until the he, the other one got about 10 feet from the boat, and then he peeled off and he left. Hmm. But, I mean, I seen him out there 30, 40 feet. I mean, he was side by side with the other one. You That's know, like, crazy. Yeah. And, crazy. and then the, another thing, um, the one day, I mean, we, we had a, a phenomenal day. I mean, you could do no wrong. I think, I think 15 times I had doubles on by myself. I mean, that's how. But there was actually a fish that was – like, all of a sudden, he showed up, like, 20 feet from the boat, and he was following me for a while, and he was only, like, maybe six inches below the surface. Really? And, like, there, there were so many in there, and they were just eating everything they could find. I mean, one of the things I did was I, uh, you know, when I when I bring the fish in and I net them and stuff, I always put the boat in spot lock, and I just sit still, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whatever. Well, I took the lure out, and I threw it out in the water. And then I grabbed the net and I was going to dump the fish out. Well, out of the corner of my eye, I seen the rod move, you know. So I hurried <laughs> and dumped the fish out. Here, when I threw the lure in the water, another fish grabbed it. Oh, my. That's crazy. I'm like, that's what I told my buddy John. I said, I swear if I had a Cheeto and I put it on a hook, I could catch one. <laughs> you probably could. That's nuts. I, I mean, they were, my hands were hurting so bad, my forearms, like I said, we caught 
probably me and my buddy each probably got 50 that day. Wow. I'm telling you, it was, you could do no wrong. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. I actually was down to just two rods for a while. I told my buddy, I said, I can't do it the three anymore. I said, I'm, by the time I get the, before I even get through the third, third one out, you know, I got a fish. The one time we're passing each other up, he's coming, you know, going west and I'm going east. So I like, you know, mine's open boat. So I could, I was walking up to the front because I was going to talk to him as he was passing me. And he's, he gets a smile on his face. He goes, John, there's two fish jumping out the water behind you. I look, both my outside rods are bent back. There's, you know, I got doubles and he's just <laughs> laughing because he goes, you didn't even realize it. I said, no. Oh man, that's nuts. But it, it was, oh, there was, it was a crazy a couple of days. I mean, it was just on fire and they were just eating anything you threw out there. Crazy. Um, you know, back to that, the strains of fish, have you noticed, cause I, there have been a lot and I know you've been looking at seeing some of the pictures that I have too. There's been a lot of big fish caught again this year. Um, yes. Yeah. A lot of 30 inch fish. I know a couple of guys have caught them, you know, a couple, you know, 32s, 33 inch steelhead. And I, I'm not sure if that's the Gatorosic strain. I have a feeling it is. Are you seeing that in the harbor too? Bigger fish. I know yes. you are too. Um, okay. Yes. I've caught a lot of fish over 10 pounds this year, a lot. And um, I think just maybe two weeks ago uh, in Ashtabula, I had doubles on, and I think one was close to 12 and the other one was close to 11. It, it took everything by myself to get them in. It was. You know, usually you try to figure out which one's the smallest one and bring him in first and let the other one kind of whatever. But, I mean, both rods were just bent back. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, but I did get them both in. When I went to net the second one, the first one almost got out on me. I'm like, no. But, uh, yeah, I just recently posted that. But, like I said, one was around 12, maybe a little bit more, and the other one's like 11, maybe a little bit more. One was a completely silver fish, and the other one was had been in the river for a little bit, you can see. And, yeah. You know, it was a little bit pink. But the, uh, the biggest one, he was uh, all silver. Yeah. That's quite a double. Or chrome, we call him. Winter chrome. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Now, John, we know lake trout pop into the equation every now and again. Um, you want to tell us about your encounters with any of them? Well, um, we're going to start seeing them, and you're going to start hearing more and more about them. Uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife um, – they're the ones that stalking them and they've been stalking at the grand river. And I think it's in every other year that they've been stalking them. Um, I've been catching them since 2016. Uh, but, uh, I can't remember how many they said, I don't know, it's maybe 500 a year they're putting in because they live to be 30, possibly 40 years old, mm -hmm. uh, but they're trying to reestablish them throughout Lake Erie. I mean, right now, most of them are, uh, PA or New York waters. Uh, and, and that has a lot to do with the trench being out there. It, you know, that's their ideal um, climate for them is to go out there and be in the deeper, colder water. Whereas, you know, the more west you go, the shallower it is. Uh -huh. um, but, um, no, recently uh, at Ashtabula, uh, I had seven on and I got six in with the biggest one being 35 inches. And uh, Solid. once I, you know, once I caught the first one and kind of realized where they were at, uh, I just... As soon as I got that one off, I would just turn around and go right back over where I was at. Um, because the lake trout, are, they're a fall spawner, and they come in to spawn. Um, and then usually, from talking to ODNR, the, you know, the females will come in and they'll do their business or whatever, and they're out. It's usually the males that, that hang around and stick around. You know, they just kind of stay in the area for a while. Uh, but like I said, um, I've been playing with 
with flutter spoons and snap weights. And that's what I caught all, you know, had all seven of them on. And what's nice about that, you can almost turn on a dime and, you know, I was doing, and I, somebody asked me, well, how deep is it? Are you running? And I'm like, I don't know. All I know is I've been playing with it. I use three ounce snap weights. I let 30 feet of line out. I put the three ounce snap weight on and I let 30 more feet of line out with a three and a quarter inch flutter spoon. And that's been working beautiful throwing along the break walls, the inner harbor, and even the lower sections of the river. It's just something I started playing with last year, and it's been really working good for me. But the 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 lake trout loved it. Hmm. And like I said, the biggest one I caught that day, I think it was 35. Uh, the next one down was like 31 and a half, and the rest of them were like 29 to 30. Those are all nice really... lake trout. Those yes. Are, those are beautiful. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, definitely. How, how about uh, brown trout? Any of those creep in for you in your winter fishing? Yes. Uh, in fact, the biggest one, um, I don't know I don't know if you, you haven't seen, was seven pounds. And I actually caught that one day. It was snowing. And I told you back to being snowing was a great day. I was catching whatever. But I can't remember why I stopped. But it was on Conneaut. And I started throwing spinners, the uh, blue fox. Uh, I can't remember what the ones but i had taken the boat to one side put on spot lock and i would cast upstream you know give it a little tug get that spinner going and just kind of let it drift but real fast enough just to keep it off the bottom and i was swinging it and i caught a seven pounder but um i think the biggest one i brought joel martin with me about maybe three four years ago it was like eight nine pounds and we got it off the east wall at conneaut this time of year Jeez. and then as soon as we brought it in the boat I had to laugh. I don't know if you know Rusty Stacchiotti, yep, but yep. eggs just started pouring out. He's like, steelhead candy, you know, the oh, eggs yeah. were just pouring out of this fish. <laughs> I told Joel, hurry up and put your hand over, you know, stop him from coming out. But, yeah, she was a big female. We got her off the east wall. But, uh, yeah, I've caught him this late in the year. You know, the brown trout, too. Not in numbers. You know, that, that's yeah. not a yeah. No, I, but it I, is nice to catch something different every now and then. Sure is. It's exciting. Yeah, speaking of different, I know uh, the pink salmon were in uh, for a bit. Uh, are they still around? Any any of that still happening? Uh, no. they were, That was like for about two or three weeks. I mean, it was big time. And that was them coming in to spawn. And then once they were done, they all took off and left. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. I, I don't uh, – I know the last couple years, you know, one here, one there, whatever. But this year was the most – I've seen, you know, posted everywhere. They were, they were catching them over in PA waters. They were catching, oh, yeah. you know, in all our rivers. I mean, as far over as the Rocky River and stuff, yeah. they were catching them over there. So it was pretty widespread. I don't know. I think somebody said they come out of Lake Huron. Some river up there is where they're yeah. supposedly coming from. I'm not exactly I, sure. I did some research on that, John, because we had that podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, talking about fishing. Yes, I, mean, yeah. I do remember you sending me some information. Yeah, and um, they were. You're right. They were from 1961. They were stocked in Ontario. The Providence, Ontario, stocked them in Lake Huron, and they only stocked a handful, not a bunch of them. That was the only stocking of pink salmon in the Great Lakes, and they somehow they survived. And um, they're showing up everywhere. Not only, as you mentioned, not only in Ohio, but Pennsylvania. New York had a good run this year too. Yes. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, though. Um, we're getting a little smorgasbord of everything, not only uh, Yes, steelhead, because there was you know. even some coho and uh, landing salmon showed up. <laughs> I, I did see that, too. So that was one of the questions I was going to ask about coho. Have you caught any of those recently? No. I have no. not, but I've seen a couple of them caught. <clears throat> you know, uh, 
I know that uh, Mike Durkalak is everybody will yeah. send their picture to him and, you know, he helps identify them. Yeah. You know, the, because of the, you know, the, the difference between them and the steel steelhead is the inside of the mouth is gray or, you know, dark. Right. Whereas right. the steelhead is white. Right. Right. Now, um, let's switch gears here a little bit too. Uh, Donna, I want to talk to you about, let's just, we don't have to go into great detail on your equipment, but I know I've had questions, you know, is he using super braid? on his reels is he using monofilament is he what kind of uh, ball bearing swivels does he use any ball bearing swivels and you mentioned you use snap weights they want to know if you use snap weights um can you kind of take us through your setup a little bit because that i think that'll answer a lot of questions uh, that our listeners had and anything special that might yeah. pertain to the winter yeah. the cold times yes, that's yeah. right yeah well you know one of the things is um i, I used to use the trilene big game in the green and, and whatever but i I started using fluoro, and I wanted to see if it made a difference, especially in the lake when the lake's nice and clear. And it seemed like it does make a little bit of difference. Um, so I've kind of stayed with the fluoro, so I'm trolling 15-pound fluoro. I tried going lighter, but, you know, the steelhead like to roll up in the line. And, mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and even this year, I think I broke maybe two or three times it broke my line because, you know, they roll up and the line rubs on line and it still breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I lost uh, two of my almost irreplaceable lures uh, in one day, but, uh, you know, um, but uh, yeah, I'm using the fluoro, using the snap swivels, um, the, the sampos, the number twos with the cross locks on them. Okay. Um, you got to make sure you use the cross locks. If you don't, if you just use the one where it like hooks on one side, them steelhead will pop that open. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. so you want to do the cross lock where, you know, you don't want to lose a fish because of your, your snap or or your lure either because the snap opened up on you. So, but, uh, you know, a lot of things this time of year that water temperature is down 34, 35, uh, you know, not using the spoons too much anymore because they'll just drop and they don't have much action at, at you know, slower speeds. So, you know, I'm looking at the using mag lips, I'm using, you know, shad wraps, flicker shads, uh, you know, some stick baits, you know, even okay. the Rapala, you know, uh, the Rapala, um, the jointed ones. Okay. You know, even uh, a couple other different, you know, um, the um, scatter wraps, steelhead love scatter wraps, especially the jointed ones, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get a little, so you got, you know, when you're at 34, 35, you're trying to do one seven, one eight. Sometimes, you know, if you really, it really dropped on you when you got the, you know, the day before or whatever, you may have got to go down to one five, you know? So you're trying to look for lures that have a lot of action and slow speed. Whereas like the mag lips do, you know, and the jointed lures do, you know, the, um, I, I like the flicker shad, the new jointed series. Okay. There's some good colors in there. I like them a lot. <clears throat> Um, there's even, uh, uh, some balsa extreme baits I, I, I use. They're jointed. They're not cheap either, but, um, you know, you run in some different kind of conditions, you know, um, like a couple of weeks ago, we ran into low clear water at Ashtabula. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it looked like iced tea, but when you put your lure in, you could see the lure pretty good. You know, it's that leaves that are making that look oh. like iced tea, but yeah. But uh, on a sunny day, you know, they don't want nothing to do with chrome. And then they don't seem like they want to deal with big lures. They want something small. So, um, and I even had, um, I don't know if you know Ed Filatic. I've had him paint up a spoon one day that mm-hmm. saved my butt. 
I said, Ed, can you paint up this spoon to look like this shad wrap? He says, yeah, I could do that. Well, that, that lure caught like over 10 fish that day. I said, Ed, you need to make me a couple more of them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm always, uh, you know, giving them lures and trying different colors, trying different things, you know, um, especially on sunny days. A lot of times the steelhead want nothing to do with a flash. You know, they don't want none of that chrome. Yeah. So, you know, people say, okay, we'll use chrome and, you know, chrome and silver or um, chrome and blue. Well, you can go with blue, but you can go with a gray blue that doesn't give off a flash. Okay. You know, yeah. and that works good in the clear water. And, and, you know, there's other different colors I'm always playing with. You know, purple desert works good in the, in the river and stuff like that when it's clear and stuff. You know, and then you're going to brighter colors when it's, you know, darker, maybe a little bit muddier or whatever. You know, your orange and your gold and your chartreuse and, you know, some fire tiger with some orange bellies on and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, now, it's, you said you were going down to even 1.5 miles per hour. Obviously, you're not using your gas motor. You're using your trolling motor, correct? You're yes. About, okay. uh, you know, normally uh, when I'm doing 2.2 and the water temperature is a little higher, I'm using the gas and the electric together. Okay. But once once I'm getting down to 1.5, the gas is shut off, and I'm just using nothing but the, uh, you know, the Terova, the 24-volt. And I can get like eight, nine hours of constantly doing like 1.5, one. 5, one one seven in there, I can get eight, nine hours of, you know, continuous trolling out of that. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask you how you're doing that, what kind of batteries you're using and all that stuff. So it's pretty good life. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I have the two group 31 interstate uh, deep cycle batteries in there. And like I said, um, if I started, you know, maybe seven 30 in the morning, I'll notice maybe like somewhere around three 30 or something that I might have to bump the speed up just a little bit to stay where I've been. Okay. You know? Okay. And, and usually by then you only got an hour or so of daylight anyway. So right. they do pretty good. Yeah, that's good. And how about you mentioned, uh, obviously you're doing most of this during the day. Have you ever tried any at night, any of this at night? Um, I mean, is there I've any done... advantage to it? John is basically what I'm saying. No, the only thing I, I have stayed, like, I've got there early before the sun come up, and uh, I've done a couple times, but when you're when you're doing it and it's dark, you got to either try glow lure, you know, glow lures with glow on them, mm-hmm. or really, really bright lures. Um, you know, steelhead have fantastic eyes, but they're unlike the walleye. They don't have the night vision as, as good as the walleye does because he can't stand to be in the sun. But, uh, you know, whereas the steelhead... That's why, you know, one of the things, too, is is what lure I use at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning may not be the lure I'm run, running at 11 o'clock or right. 11.30. Right, You know, because yeah. um, so I've, I've, I've had people with me where tell them, you know, okay, it's going to be fantastic, but as soon as that sun hits this water, it's going to slow down. And I said, then we're going we're gonna to have to start doing some different things and trying some different things to get uh, – but, you know, but it's, I said it'll be good till the sun hits the water. And once the sun hits the water, then it kind of changes it. And then you kind of just, you know, I go from experience trying different things. Sometimes they'll drop down. You know, they, they may have been maybe only five or six feet from the surface. They may drop down to seven or eight feet. Trying to get in a little less, you know, as the, you, they get a little deeper that there's a little less sun penetration. Mm-hmm. So they'll try that. So sometimes just letting more line out to run a little bit deeper works, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or you have to go to lures that are not as more naturalistic colors, you know, not the bright oranges, the bright chartreuses, but maybe, you know, um, 
the I've used shad wraps like in some of them crawdad colors. They like them. I don't know why, but it's kind of like a bland color. Hmm. You know, there's like the one that's like an off green and a white. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it has no flash. They seem to they like bland things when it's really sunny out and the water is kind of clear. They'll, you know, I call it kind of a bland thing. You know, there's no flash to it. There's no bright color or whatever. Yeah. We'll kind of go, go to stuff like that. Yeah, muted colors. Um, you mentioned that you're using snap weights and, and had some success with that. Are you using inline planers now too, John, or are you just flatlining? Uh, I do the, I do have the inline planers, um, but I usually, by myself, I don't use them that often. Um, and yeah. it's because... They are a pain by yourself, believe me, I know. Yes, <laughs> trying to bring... Yeah. I mean, I think I have a video on YouTube. It shows me, and I had to laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm trolling the slip of, of Conneaut. I put out the one planer board, and I send it way out there. You know, in the video, you show me, see, or see me, you put out the other planer board way out there. So I look at the middle rod, and I said, you know, I'm going to change the lure. So I ch- take the rod, change the lure. I throw it out. No sooner it hits the water, the rod bends. I said, now i got to bring that planer board in and bring the other planer yeah. board in. yeah. You know, yeah. But I mean, if, if it's a tough day, I will throw them out there. Okay. Just you know, if I'm searching and I can't, whatever. Hey, I may run one tight to the wall and one way out, and I'm you know just you know maybe only fifty feet from the wall. You mm-hmm. know, just trying to cover all the thing and see where they're at. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. By yourself, it it was it to, for me. It's a real disadvantage running planers. Um, now, if I have somebody in a boat like Don with me, we run planers, not no problem. But, but you're right. By yes. yourself, it's it's just a circus. Yeah, even the three rods can be a hassle, yeah. like yeah. you've said already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Just the yeah, flatlining, just three rods could be an issue. Yes. So it could be a fire drill at yeah, times. For sure. So where do you? Uh, just to, we're going to let you go here. We appreciate your time here tonight, John. But I, the, one of the questions I had, no, Don has another question here too. But um, the fishery. I mean, you and I have been steelhead fishing uh, for many years now. Uh, did you ever imagine it being as good as it is right now? No. Okay. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, uh, when I first started going, and I'm talking years ago, was mm-hmm. it back in the, um, I think the very, first, the very first year I ever, like, you know, started, like, steelhead was actually, you know, we, I finished the, the last year of the salmon return was the first year that I ever started doing this. Wow. You know, as okay. far as going for them. And I, I can't remember what year that was. Um, and then they started stalking the steelhead. And, and, and back in the day when they were running the London strain, we would start at Labor Day. You know, yeah, those, you could start... those fish ran early. They were really yes. a fall run fish. I remember those. Yes. You could start fishing for them in. in, in uh, right after Labor Day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You could start fishing for them. And then, you know, when they switched the, the strain, it kind of, you know, okay, now they're a little, they're coming in a little later and stuff like that. Um, you know, you still get some, if we get a little bit of cool weather and, you know, maybe the beginning of September or whatever, and we get a little bit of rain in the middle, you might get a, you know, a small push of some that will, some will go right up the river and then some stay around the, the mouth. Cause like, I think, um, I started, I think, the last third week in September and I was, I caught like two and I caught two nice ones when I went, but like each time I was going for the first two weeks or so I'd catch maybe two steelhead, three hit steelhead. And then I'd catch a whole bunch of smallmouth. you know, mm. they were willing participants there. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But you know, and then as the water, you know, the water temperature starts cooling off and then more and more come in. And then what really brings them in is the bait fish. And, and, yeah. and, 
you know, we've seen a lot of big fish. I think that one I seen at Poor Richards was 17 pounds. But I mean, the last two years, the bait fish population has just been like a, to me, a bait fish explosion. Yeah. I mean, back like it used to be. I mean, there for some years, I mean, we would get some emerald shiners, but mostly of it was shad. But this mm-hmm. year, uh, I could tell you, last year, it is just choke full of emerald shiners. That's crazy. That's They're crazy. everywhere. That makes for some now, wh- fat fish. You, th- th- yeah, it does. Where do you see this going, John? I mean, in the future here, like five years from now, where do you think we'll be with this steelhead fishery? I mean, I mean, um, how, what I'm saying is how much better could it get, you know? I'm going to pinch myself now. And you know what I'm talking about. It's it's crazy. Oh, I agree. Uh, I mean, this year has been a very good year. Uh, you know, phenomenal. There's been, I don't know how many times where I've caught over 20 of them this year. I mean, it was, I don't know, more than 10, 15 times. So I've, it's been very good. So, I, you know, as long as they keep doing what they're doing and, and – um, somebody doesn't do something dumb. I, I see it continuing and it, it's only getting bigger and better every year. I mean, I know people are coming farther and farther to, away to fish it. Um, I think as long as everybody respects the fishery and, and, and doesn't do, you know, you know, abides by the rules and takes your two or whatever, that it should be good. Yeah. You know, and then, like I said, um, the, the lake trout, is going to start picking up more and more because they're stocking more every other year. So you're going to start. So it, it's adding more to the fishery. And it's a nice thing too, is because I can catch them with a boat and then people can go up the river and they can catch them up there too. Yeah. You which know, I, I enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. Spread sure. the fishermen plenty, around a bit. Too. Plenty for both. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. So that, that's good, John. I, I hope you're right. And I do tend to agree with you on that. Um, I did hear rumor now I don't, I don't want to be a rumor monger, but I'm hearing good news on um, the, with the steelhead program in Ohio that uh, they may be doing something here very soon with the Cuyahoga River, uh, which would really be exciting. Um, and boy, would that open up a bunch of opportunities for um, some public access for the stream fishermen. And who knows, maybe we'll have an excellent run of steelhead in the Cleveland metro area. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. The only drawback to that is is in order to put them in there, they got to take them from somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, they got to. They got. They have only so many fish they could use, right? Yeah, right. the 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 hatchery. We'll just say the hatchery can only raise three hundred thousand a year. That they're maxed out. There's mm-hmm. nothing else they can do. Right. Uh, so in order to add them to the Cuyahoga, you have to take them from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was some talk, and, and there were some rumors. You know, some people were saying, "Well, take them from Conneaut because Conneaut has the least public uh, access, access." You know, right, right. But then again, too, um, you know, you're not going to the first how far of the Cuyahoga River. I guess they could fish from shore and stuff. I want to try. I want to go there in a boat. I actually wanted to go there this year. I just haven't had a chance. Uh, Last year we had went and we fished. uh, What is it? The east end of the break, that big break wall. What's Mm -hmm. it called? East 55th. Yeah. And we had launched there. And I told my buddy, I said, we need to go come back and we need to go to the West end because you got the river, which is going to attract them. But I mean, um, you know, all the rivers, all the ones all along, even the ones that aren't even stocked, they have, you know, the black river, there's tons of steelhead. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting know, They're not just going where they're stocked at. Right. They're right. going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, even the little smaller creeks. Uh, oh yeah. The one guy I work with, he's a, uh, he was out the other day, and he was telling me, uh, I can't remember what the little creek's name. Yeah, don't don't mention it. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember whatever. <laughs> yeah, but he was catching them in little. there, and it's not a stock creek, you know. 
Yeah. But you, you know, Arcola Creek and, yeah. and Cowles Creek and, you know, uh, all them, they're all in there. They've been in there for years, yeah. you know, and they weren't stocked in there. No, I, and I'm, I know guys have been catching them in Con, or Conia, in Cuyahoga too. Um, yes. But it's going to be interesting to see where the steelhead program goes because it's, it's gaining more and more interest, as you know, um, um, the number of guides there are in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and then the quality of fish that we're catching. It's really um, unbelievable. Uh, the good old days yeah, like, are now is what I'm saying. Fortunately, oh, they I have agree. it nearby. Yeah. And I think, you know, there for um you're a couple I don't remember how many years ago, but it was you know, the size of the fish was good, the numbers good, and then it kind of drove not the, the numbers didn't really drop off, but the size of the fish dropped off. But all of a sudden, you know, I also noticed that the emerald shiner population had went down. Mm-hmm. So the size of the fish went down. Mm-hmm. Well now that the emerald population is back up, the size of the fish has gone back up. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um you know, as long as the food's there, it will keep the fish, you know, they'll be b- bigger. But if the population of the Emerald Shiner drops off, then the size of the fish is going to drop off. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say the, the average size fish probably this year was probably six to seven pounds somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's encouraging. They, every one of them, I mean, they're just gorging themselves. They're full of shiners and their stomachs. They, I told my buddy, I said, they look like Oompa Loompas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're just gorging yourself, but that's a good thing that the population of the bait fish is, you know, is healthy. You, you, yes, and yeah. you need that to, to feed all the fish. Right, right. You know, Absolutely. You know, not just this, the, the steelhead, but the walleyes. You know, you want to keep the walleye population up. You need the emerald shiners. You need the shad to keep their population yeah, that's up, right. too. Yeah. Or they're in their size. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, um, the walleyes, if there's not enough food, they'll start eating each other and eating steelhead and everything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a great point. So, hey, well, John, we're going to let you go. Is there anything before I let you go? Is there anything else you want to add? Why don't you talk a little bit about real quick about your um, YouTube channel? Because I know you have some great stuff on your YouTube channel. Yeah, um, then we'll let you, you know, go. If they want to go on YouTube and watch, I have probably about 30 videos. There's some. There's a beautiful underwater one there. Where a steelhead, it took him four tries till we finally got it. Uh, you need to probably watch it on your TV that way you get the best yeah, definition. That is but pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It's it's unbelievable how you, you figure that lure is moving at two point two miles an hour, and I mean it took him four tries to get it. If you look at it, you can see I think the second or third time you maybe the second time you missed, you can see him come back underneath the lure and do like a figure eight and come back at it. <laughs> but you know if you yeah. if you watch whatever, but I mean just the 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 tenacity of these fish did not give up. You know, the, he was attacking that spoon <laughs> until he finally got it. But you know, that spoon's moving. It just shows you how fast they are. Uh, I recently had taken a, um, uh, a guy who he's, uh, Al Hataski. He was a St. Croix rep. Yeah. And you know, he, he goes, Oh, I love my small mouth. I said, well, he goes, but I want to go steelhead fishing, you know, and the very first steelhead he's reeling. And he's like, it's not fighting John. I said, no, just hold on. I said he hasn't seen the boat. He, he, he doesn't know he's hooked. That. Yeah, he doesn't know he's hooked. Yeah. And and then once all of a sudden he's seen the boat and stuff, it was, you know, out yeah. of the way. And, and I was just, you know, amazed at the power of them. And then, then you know, they're jumping out of the water. And it's, but uh, like I said, uh, back to the YouTube thing, I got sidetracked there. But if they, you know, they go to YouTube and they search John Breedlove Steelhead, there's over, I have over 30 videos. There's some underwater videos. There's, videos from Conneaut, there's videos from the Grand River, there's videos from Astrobula, you know. Yeah. We'll, but, uh, we'll send our listeners your way. 
That's right. So. Well, very good, John. Uh, we'll let you go. We do appreciate your time tonight, and good luck. Well, you're the rest. welcome. Yeah, keep me posted. I know you and I are always chit-chatting back and forth, texting back yes. and forth. Yeah, let me know what's going on, and uh, maybe I could sneak out here with you here sometime this spring or winter or spring. And, um, and stay warm out, out there, yeah. John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, hey, if I don't talk to John, you and your family have a great New Year's, okay? You too, and yeah. Don, you too, and your family. All right. Thank you, John. Yeah, you take care. All right. We'll, well talk. It was nice we'll... being on. We'll talk to you later. Yes. Take care, John. We'll see you. All right. Mm. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to 120 Outdoors and our monthly podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave us your comments while checking out our Facebook page.